Welcome to the Why on Earth Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Perry, and today we're visiting with Lem Tingley, the CEO and CGO of Growing Spaces, that CGO Chief Growing Officer. Lem, it's great visiting with you. Right, it's great to be here. Nice to have you. We're uh, so excited to get to experience the inside of your domes and share with our audience a bunch of the specifics as to how you're helping people in communities all over grow a lot more food right in their own yards, right in their own neighborhoods. And of course, we've also got some special discounts if you're interested in getting a dome uh, through growingspaces.com. Uh, uh, growing so we'll get to all that information uh, for folks. But first, let me uh, tell people a little about your background, Great. Lem. So Lem grew up outside Boston, Massachusetts and came to Colorado every year as a kid for ski vacations. So he fell in love with the Rocky Mountain West at an early age. He attended the University of Colorado in Boulder and graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering, which led to working for the last 25 years in manufacturing, both in Colorado and offshore. Uh, Lem is married to his wife, Liz, uh, and they live in Golden, Colorado with their three teenage boys. I guess you guys are busy. Yeah. And uh, so he shared with us that he was laid off from his previous job in engineering and felt like it was a good opportunity to either start or purchase a company in some sort of sustainable technology. And so having heard of growing spaces through his brother-in-law and having learned that the founder owners were retiring and selling their business, Lem and Liz jumped on it. And uh, they immediately came down to Pagosa Springs, which is where we are, to meet Udgar and Pooja Parsons. And, and you'll get to see a little interview with them later on, uh, the founders. And, and they fell in love with them and, and what they had created in this small town in Colorado. So Lem and his wife purchased Growing Spaces in April of 2018 and are now expanding the company organically. And uh, Lem, it's just, it's such a joy to know a bit about your story, how you got here and, and what, you're, uh, what you're doing now with the company going forward. And I guess, let me just first uh, start by asking, um, what was it about you know, Colorado that caused you to fall in love with this place? Yeah, well, I was a big skier growing up back east, and you know you have to learn to ski on ice back there. So that's yeah. all you get is big, you know, blue ice. Um, so coming out to Colorado every week, we went to Utah, Wyoming every year uh, was just a joy. And uh, and I remember one year, I think junior year in high school, we came to Breck for a week in February, powder day every day, just skiing powder every day. And my parents talked me into visiting CU Boulder on the way back to the airport. On the way back, we visited Boulder. It was 70 degrees and sunny in the middle of February. <laughs> yep. Kids were outside in their shorts, playing frisbee, just having yep. a ball. And you know, I love hiking and biking and all that. So it just felt like just a, a beautiful environment to be at and study, and then also get get some skiing in at the same time. So it was purely for selfish reasons, but <laughs> I've never regretted it and never moved out of Colorado since since I was 18. Yeah, so. yeah. I think that's a familiar story <laughs> for, yeah, a, lot for of a number people. of us. Yeah. <laughs> It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm um, so interested to hear more about your your engineering background and how you're going to apply that and are applying that to improve some efficiencies in your manufacturing process. And, uh, you know, these domes are extraordinary. They're extraordinarily strong structures. They create these growing environments in cold climates where we can grow tropical and subtropical plants. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe can you just give us an overview of where we are right now and and yeah. what, uh, you know, what growing spaces is making available to people? 
Yeah, absolutely. We're here in Pagosa Springs. Uh, Growing Spaces has six different sizes domes that we sell. We're currently in the 33-foot diameter dome, which is our second biggest size. Later today, I'll show you uh, some 42-foot domes that we have down at the Geothermal Partnership. Uh, but we have all the other smaller sizes here on site, ranging from 15 feet all the way up to the 42 feet. So this is our second biggest dome. We get a lot of good gardening space in here. Behind us, you see uh, a water tank. This is basically the battery of the system. It acts as a thermal mass, both in the summertime to help keep the dome cool and humid. And in the wintertime, uh, the sun will reflect off that reflectix insulation, heat the pond during the day, and then at night emit that heat back out to keep your plants warm and moist all night long, all winter long, without any external heat. So you don't need any electricity, propane, as long as you're doing frost-hardy plants in the wintertime. If you want to do tropicals, grow tomatoes year-round, you can. You just need to add a little bit of heat to your dome during the coldest months of the year. Yeah. But otherwise, you're growing year-round without any additional fossil fuels. That's it's amazing. And I, you, you told me beforehand that uh, you guys have domes in every state, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Over the 30-year history of growing spaces, we've shipped probably about 3,000 domes to all 50 states, about 15 countries across the globe. Wow. Um, the dome definitely works best in the Rocky Mountain climate huh. uh, here in Colorado. About half our sales are here in Colorado. Um, because of the extreme weather, uh, we use a five wall poly, which is really as a high R value, almost three, as well as being snow resistant, hail resistant, and just the shape of the geodesic dome, you know, the Buckminster Fuller dome, uh, really is good against wind. It really just pushes the dome back down into the earth so you're never gonna have you know, your rectangular greenhouse get hit by a, you know, a flat surface and yeah. get blown off your property. The way so it goes, yeah. Get a lot of dome owners calling. Uh, my greenhouse is in my neighbor's yard, right? We oh, need something wow. a little more wind resistant. Oh, wow. uh, and the geodesic shape is perfect. But the real value of it is it tracks the sun all day long. You get nice even sun for your plants all day long. You don't have any flat surfaces that will bake your plants uh, during the, the noonday sun, um, and you just get nice even sun throughout the day. It's another advantage of the geodesic shape. Yeah, well, this is so wonderful. So a little later on, we will visit with one of your uh, gardeners and educators, uh, Heather Gray, talking about soil and how to care best for the plants in this kind of environment. And then, uh, and then later, we're actually gonna go over to uh, Pagosa High School and visit with the principal over there. Um, and they're building a dome right now for their students, yeah, we're right? we're really excited about that. Yeah, they're building a 42-foot dome for their students, both their vocational students and their culinary arts students. Yeah, that's really awesome. They're giving those students that kind of mm -hmm. exposure and experience so early on in their professional lives, really. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, after that, we'll visit with the founders of this company, mm -hmm. Pooja and Udgar Parsons, who mm -hmm. have been real pioneers in this whole sustainability movement for for several decades, so it's gonna yeah. be a real treat, I think, the way we get to uh, flow through these different uh, uh, pieces of the podcast today. Yeah, exactly, I'm really excited to meet with Ugar and Pooja. They've been retired for the last two years, but still involved down there with the domes of the geothermal project, so um, they're doing great work down there for the community and, and the local food hubs, uh, so I'm excited to meet with them again as well. Yeah, that's super <laughs> exciting. Well, let me let me ask this, you know, um, the, these structures, you know, take, take some money. And uh, one thing we want to be sure to mention to our audience is that if you mention why on earth, uh, when you connect with growing spaces, 
you can connect by growingspaces.com or if you click through the Growing Spaces logo uh, anywhere from the Why on Earth uh, web ecosystem, our partnership and sponsor page or our podcast page, um, you will get a 5% discount when you get your dome. And uh, demand has been so high in large part because of COVID, it seems, that uh, production is out several months. So if you are thinking about getting a dome, it's a really good idea to connect with Lem and his team soon to get in the queue. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that jumped right out at me, Lem, with the information that you sent over is that you guys are not only selling these domes, you're doing amazing uh, work with education uh, on YouTube and through your Facebook groups. And you're also working with uh, low income communities and with the Navajo Nation, for example, um, and you're doing some special uh, uh, grants in urban and low-income communities related to the Black Lives Matter movement and I just if you would just speak to that kind of community service work that you guys are doing because I think it's extraordinary. Yeah. No, it's, it's really exciting and I'm excited to be at this point. We've owned the, owned the business for two years and our sales were pretty flat from when we took over the business those first two years so uh, we were really just trying to pay off our loans and our debts and so we didn't have a lot of you know, money left over to kind of do the, the charitable projects. But when my wife and I bought the business, we really had the long-term goal to put a portion of our pro profits back into the community. Um, so COVID has really been, I mean, it's been horrible for, for the world and the nation, but it's really, it is teaching people the value of controlling their own food source yeah. and be able to go into their backyard and pick their, their vegetables for lunch or, or for dinner, as well as have a nice sanctuary, just like we are here, to sit and relax. Um, so uh, the phone's been ringing off the hook uh, since March. Uh, we are booked out several months, um, uh, but the benefit of that for us is we're able to give back. And so we have one dome plan for Navajo Nation, like you mentioned, they've been really impacted by COVID uh, and they're very family oriented. Um, and that's part of the reason why it's spread. Um, but they really wanna try to get back to their roots of farming and growing their own food and being self-sustainable because they've kind of lost that part of their culture there at Navajo Nation. Um, and even, you know, they really are in a food desert. They don't have access to fresh organic food. Uh, so we've met some people down there. Uh, the, the founders, Ugar and Puja, had built a couple domes down there as well who are really trying to bring back local farming, uh, local family farms to the community. So we've donated one of our 26-foot greenhouses to Navajo Nation. Uh, we do have a fundraiser that we link to from our website to help with the, some of the site prep, uh, the bed materials, the soil, everything else that goes into that project uh, that's on uh, their, uh, our Facebook page right now. Uh, but another project I'm really excited about that we started before COVID was with a local veterans community called Matterville Vets. Um, and they're based in the Denver area. Um, and they have two communities, one in Sedalia and one in Hartzell, Colorado. Uh, what they're doing is building tiny homes, sustainable communities for veterans with PTSD uh, to kind of give them uh, a place to really, a sanctuary for them to really uh, recover, uh, as well as uh, grow their own food, um, do their own work around the property and really be off-grid and sustainable. And one unique thing about that project is they've adopted some wolves from a local, from Rocky Mountain uh, Wildlife Refuge that, that uh, where the owner retired and so now they've paired the vets with PTSD with the wolves oh, wow. and the wolves are trained to comfort the vets oh, um, when they have nightmares or, um, yeah. and it's just an amazing place uh, my, my kids and I have been up there to help build pens and 
and uh, kind of get the property in Sedalia built up. And then the next step is to start doing the site prep. And we've donated a 26 foot greenhouse to them as well. Uh, so wonderful. they can grow their own food year round. Wow. Uh, there yeah. for Matterville Vet. So we're really excited about that project. Yeah, and, and, and there's quite a bit of research coming out about how working with soil and working with plants really helps with PTSD. Mm -hmm. And there are different veterans communities uh, doing these sorts of gardening projects for that very reason. The neurobiochemistry is affected mm -hmm. and it just allows people people's nervous systems to calm down, right. which is so important. Right, it's so important for, yeah, special needs kids and education. Yeah. We've had examples, and when we go down to the GGP dome and the education dome of special needs kids, who really do just calm down when they mm -hmm. enter the dome, get their hands dirty, and it's, it's night and day. So it's really exciting to be part of this project. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, and just spending some time in, in the Pagosa community today, it's clear this is a this is a really tight knit community, mm -hmm. and uh, what you guys are doing here as a, a, a local manufacturer providing jobs and all of that is also of great benefit to the local economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We do hire a lot of veterans. We have a lot of veterans on staff. Uh, we'll visit the vocational school where they're building the dome. We really hope to use that program to hire new kids because what happens here in Pagosa is a lot of kids they go out of high school and then they leave town, yeah. and there's a huge gap in the workforce. Um, there is a lot of construction in town, uh, so there's a lot of construction jobs, there's a lot of restaurant jobs, huge tourist industry, um, but there is a gap in that kind of millennial range of, of good workforce. So we're trying to bring in people, not only to help manufacture the domes and install the domes, but gardeners, uh, salespeople, and our salespeople are gardeners, so uh, we can really kind of help our customers through the learning experience when it comes to growing in a new dome. Um, because the the the, uh, the the technology really sells itself. We don't. We're not really yeah. salespeople. Yeah. We're all kind. Of, everybody but me here is a gardener. <laughs> I can't say that I'm a gardener, but but I'm learning. You're a gardener in training. <laughs> huh? I'm a gardener in training, right. and that's why I've lined up Heather and Ugar and Pooja to yeah. kind of help help kind of talk about the gardening aspect of the dome. But that's I'm, great. I'm learning, and, and uh, I'm learning in our dome in Golden as well uh, that we have there. So. Well, and and you know it was wonderful to. Uh, recently have the opportunity to interview my good buddy uh, Brian Dillon with his dome up in the mountains right, right. and uh, and and he was sharing that the uh, the Facebook groups are this amazing online community where people are sharing information and mm -hmm. you guys are active and I'm just curious if you might uh, describe for our audience a little bit kind of what's going on in that ecosystem yeah absolutely we have uh, two Facebook groups one's called Growing Dome Enthusiasts, and one's called Growing Dome Owners. So Growing Dome Owners is limited to owners only. So that's where we get a lot of really good conversations about how the dome is performing. You know, we talk about pest problems. We talk about cooling your dome in the summertime. We talk about heating your dome in the winter if you're gonna heat your dome in the winter. Uh, different ways of optimizing your dome. They're getting a lot into aquaponics systems, hydroponics systems. Uh, decks built over the, the, the pond. Um, but the Growing Dome Enthusiast page is actually really thriving as well. And that's other people who are interested in purchasing a dome or really just interested in greenhouse gardening or geodesic technology can come and ask questions uh, more about the planning of the Growing Dome, what it takes to get through your building department, your HOA, yeah. uh, the foundation techniques. And we have a lot of owners on that site as well giving advice to future owners and then we're always monitoring it and making sure you know their questions are getting answered but 
it's very low touch for us because we have a huge community of Growing Dome owners mm -hmm. who are on those pages helping our customers out. Yeah. Um, as well as nationally, um, if they're not in Colorado and don't have the ability to come to either Golden or Pagosa to see a dome, they can ask, hey, I'm in Pennsylvania. Mm. Does anybody have a dome I can see? And people will raise their hands uh, and say, yeah, come come check out my dome. So yeah. it's a really good community from that regard as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, you know, speaking of community, one of the things we've been observing uh, through the Wine Earth Community Network in this time of COVID, as more and more people are are gardening and, and wanting to take back more uh, control over their food supply. We're seeing in, in many HOAs and in many uh, you know apartment complexes and so forth, a lot of folks don't have the ability to garden. In some HOAs, we're seeing that it's essentially required to p spray poisons to kill yeah. things like dandelions, right? Which is really sad and, and makes no sense. Um, and, and I know you and I have begun a conversation around some of the efforts that Why on Earth is cooking up to help kind of move the HOA frameworks forward so that mm -hmm. we're not poisoning our, our kids and our pets and our communities mm -hmm. and we're making gardening a more central aspect of our American culture. And I'm curious, with the domes, what kind of issues you've been running into with different uh, HOAs out yeah, there? Yeah, really similar issues. I mean. HOA boards uh, kind of see the dome as a very unique structure. They, they're non-rectangular, so they kind of look different. Yeah. So anytime you have a, a community, so that doesn't look right. They're not going to allow it in the community, regardless of what it's for. But you mentioned my brother-in-law who kind of turned us on to growing spaces. When he first uh, went to his HOA, they did reject him. 100% of the board rejected him. And then growing spaces actually helped him with a, with a presentation to really yeah. talk about the benefit of the dome and what he was trying to accomplish. He'd had a stroke, his wife has health issues, mm -hmm. so growing healthy organic food year-round was a real benefit to their own health. Yeah. Uh, he showed pictures of inside the dome and the vegetables, and, and he went back with that information, and they approved it unanimously. Wow. So okay. as soon as they kind of learned what the dome was for and really the beauty of the entire structure and the inside of the dome, they approved it. So we yeah. really do help our customers try to navigate that HOA process really talk about the benefits of, of the dome. Yeah, it seems so important that a lot of a lot of what we're running into with barriers and roadblocks is a matter of education, huh? Mm -hmm. And presenting yeah. the information in a way that's not threatening and explains benefits. Yeah, exactly. And we had a dome owner from the Ukraine, actually, who came to the U.S. And in the Ukraine, everybody's front yard, everybody's backyard was a garden. And she came to the U.S. and saw all these green grass everywhere and said, where, where do you grow your food? I don't understand. And uh, so they bought a huge property up in, in Bailey, Colorado, with huge gardens, a traditional greenhouse, as well as a 42-foot growing dome, and they're just growing like crazy. And yeah. She's actually a, a chef at a local restaurant, so she grows for the restaurant. As well. Oh, wow. So it's a yeah. really good story. And I know there's a lot of organizations out of Boulder that are really working on turning, transitioning people's yards into gardens yeah. uh, so we can have more local food sources. And then, like you said, we need to eliminate the pesticides as well. Right, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it, it, it's so important to stress, to emphasize this connection between local, fresh, organic food and maintaining our health and well-being and avoiding disease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have so many folks in our culture suffering from all kinds of diseases. Well, a lot of the times the food that we're eating is so disconnected from the healthy soil and so on, it, it's critical that we make that connection very close, mm -hmm. a part of everyday life. Mm -hmm. And it seems that the domes 
uh, make that possible in a lot of different contexts for yeah, people. Absolutely. It all starts with the soil. When we meet Heather, she'll talk about what she's done in our domes with the soil. Uh, we made a transition in March when, when COVID first hit. Our domes used to be a really about the beauty of the dome and, and the variety of the dome. You can really grow anything you want in these. Um, but we made a shift to, to really focus on production. Uh, the food hubs were struggling here even before COVID because it is a food desert here in Pagosa. We just did get a natural grocer, so we're all excited okay, about that nice. uh, here in Pagosa. Um, but we're donating all the food from these five domes into the local food hubs. And uh, she's mm -hmm. been really, she's really done a great job transitioning the domes to optimize production of, of fruits and vegetables for the community. Are you finding there's a particular fruit or vegetable that seems to just thrive and produce a ton in this uh, we always say tomatoes we put a yeah, tomato yeah. on our logo because it like just they take off i've seen tomatoes <laughs> just all take over some doughs literally <laughs> you have to trim them every day yeah um and uh, when we go down to the geothermal project they, they're doing really well with their tomatoes as well so yeah we always say tomatoes are you know do amazing but so much so many other things thrive swiss chard always does real uh -huh. well kale yeah. Uh, grapes. Grapes are great because they provide natural shade um, for the dome and when you can train them up on the south southwest side to, to really provide some additional natural shade as well as natural transpiration. The more vegetation you have in the dome, you'll just you'll feel the energy, you'll feel the moisture come off the plants. Uh, it's it's a really nice environment. It really does feel like you're in, in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And I'm just observing that the chard you have over here and next to it, it looks like romaine. Mm -hmm. These plants look picture perfect. I mean, yeah. they look so happy. Yeah, and we've been harvesting them like crazy. So yeah. uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, Prime Nisha just harvested, uh, I think some arugula. Uh, so we got some carrots over here and yeah. they seem to be doing really well. Beautiful. Uh, so it's really exciting. Well, and I notice also that rosemary just thrives. And I've, I've tried rosemary a bunch of years in Colorado and often during the winter months, even if you're bringing them inside, if they're potted, mm -hmm. they tend not to do so well, but here they are just yeah. jamming. It's, yeah, it's rosemary beautiful. Rosemary and sage both do really yeah. well in the bones. Um, yeah. All kinds of herbs, microgreens grow real well, and, and you can turn them really quick, harvest them really quick as well. We have a lot of chefs doing microgreens mm -hmm. uh, and herbs for the restaurants as well. Yeah, so, that's so wonderful. Yeah. Well, let, let me um, just take this opportunity to remind our audience that this is the Why on Earth Community podcast. And today we're visiting with Lem Tingley, the Chief Growing Officer of Growing Spaces. And uh, I want to thank uh, our sponsors and give a shout out to the folks who are helping to make this podcast episode possible, as well as our community mobilization work for soil regeneration, climate action, health and wellness, neighborhood resilience, and culture of kindness. And that includes Earth Coast Productions. <clears throat> In fact, I'll give a shout out to Artem Nikolkov, the owner of Earth Coast. He's manning the cameras here for us today. And uh, that includes also the Lidge Family Foundation, uh, Purium, of course, Growing Spaces, and go to growingspaces.com, mention why on Earth to get a discount, uh, Soil Works, Earth Water Press, and Waylay Waters. Um, and of course, with Waylay Waters, uh, the CBD-infused aromatherapy soaking salts. If you go to whyonearth.org slash waylay-waters, you can join the monthly giving program at certain levels and receive monthly shipments of those uh, soaking salts for your health and well-being. So that's a wonderful additional bonus there. And then I, I wanna give a special shout out as well to all the folks who have joined our monthly 
uh, giving program at a variety of different levels and we really appreciate your support and everything that we're doing here is a community effort and is being done on the strength of our relationships and connecting with leaders like like you Lem who are uh, making so much available to folks and uh, it's it's really it's such a joy sitting in this space and I'm wondering I imagine there must be times when you know business can get a little stressful at times and I imagine maybe you might just come out here sometimes just to be in the dome and be with the plants. Is that is that part of the experience Absol for you? Absolutely. It's just so relaxing to be in here and just pick some fresh beans off the vine and 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 uh, taste them while you just sit here and relax. Read a book. Even make some phone calls in the dome. Yeah. It's just such a relaxing space to be in. Yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing. I just I'm just so thankful to be a part of it. And we're very fortunate to have come across this business and be able to be a part of it. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Well, I'm wondering, should we uh, should we take a pause on, on our conversation here and go visit with Heather and see what she's doing with the soil and the plants? Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a tour and we'll meet Heather. Cool. And then uh, we'll meet back up here, huh? Okay. Sounds good. Great. <laughs> so, hey folks, here we are. We're in the 18-foot dome and we're visiting with Heather Gray who is uh, educator and gardener par excellence here at Growing Spaces. And uh, so Heather, I'm so excited for you to share with us uh, some of your techniques, what you're doing with soil and what you're doing with ventilation to maintain super healthy and, and productive plants here in these domes. Uh, well, we started with really good soil, alpaca manure and um, the bedding of the alpacas. and. It wasn't fully broken down, so we treated it with, and, and continued to treat with mycorrhiza and good bacteria and, um, and fish emulsion and seaweed and proper watering, you know, not too much, not too little. And um, just keep it in a healthy environment and slowly, slowly it builds to, to lots and lots of wormies. Oh yeah, I see <laughs> some right there. Yeah. Beautiful. Can you show the camera? Yeah. There's small Some little nice wormies, wormies yeah. in there. Little red wigglers, maybe. Yeah. There's night crawlers in there, too. Okay. But you'll see them when you go to the 33. Uh huh. But nice. you see, it's broken down. It used to be like wood chips and it kind of drained through, but now yeah. it holds water really well. Yeah. And in most cases, people can heal their hydrophobic soil mm. in, with this method. You know, sometimes they have to start with a wetting agent. Yeah. But, um, which is like usually with Dr. Bronner's soap and water kind of thing. Oh, okay. But then watering in good bacteria, mycorrhiza, um, keeping it moist all the time. So never too much water, not, not too little. And, um, and then good nutrients, you know, building up good by and multibiota. If you can get your mm -hmm. hands on whey, you know, if you know a local cheese maker, mm. um, I've seen people get very creative mm. with getting probiotics in their soil, but slowly, slowly you build a structure and it starts breaking down that material and holding moisture again. So would the probiotics from like a living kraut or a kimchi be helpful for soil? I've seen people do it. Wow. They okay. water it down though because it's acidic. Yeah. It's a lactobacillus. Yeah. So um, unless you're starting with like a really alkaline, like in Colorado, you know, clay base, yeah. alkaline soil, you could um, lower the pH yeah. by doing something like that. Yeah, interesting. And so hydrophobic soil, um, obviously phobic, like phobia means the soil doesn't like the water, the, the hydra part. 
So it either drains off or goes straight through. Yeah, so what, yeah. what causes that in the first place? The soil has died uh -huh. to either an extent or like fully died where there's no good bacteria or good fungus in there. And the bacteria is what holds the water in the soil. That's mm. what like kind of makes it like a sponge. Mm. And when the bacteria dies from not being watered for an extensive period of time or from being solarized, you know, from mm. being cooked essentially, mm. um, then the soil isn't alive anymore. Mm. It's basically dust at yeah. that point. It's, I don't even call it soil at that point. Mm -hmm. So sometimes dust can be made into soil, but um, not all the time. Mm -hmm. so. Interesting. Well, this soil is clearly alive, and uh, these plants seem amazing. They're just thriving, and we just ate some of the green beans and some of the tomatoes, and they're so delicious. And uh, you have a certain technique for how you're, you're trimming, right? From that the bottom up, everything really gets important. palm treed. Yeah. yeah, and why is that so important? Ventilation is super important in any kind of greenhouse structure. Um, plants, see, see this, how it's moving the leaves of the plant? Yeah. So I think the primary focus of ventilation is that the leaves of plants need to move for the mm. cellular structure of the plant to be strong. Mm -hmm. They're using different methods in different agriculture now where they're actually manually moving plants and, mm. you know, there's like a whipping method with pot mm. plants where they... they you just you move it like simulate animals walking by simulate wind beating it simulate mm. rain mm. pounding on it because all of that just like people builds the cellular structure and the defenses of the plant mm -hmm. so for numerous reasons also fungal diseases that build up in growing spaces of any kind um, for numerous reasons building the cellular structure and making that plant resilient is primary focus uh-huh and so that's why you're trimming so from that bottom up. air can get through so that yeah. um, not a lot of moisture accumulates in the leaves. So that also helps with fungal diseases. And also, you know, catches air and they're, mm -hmm. they're kind of forced up. And so they move around a little bit when the fan is on and they're just healthier and stronger mm. and they get a little air through. Yeah, all these kale plants seem super healthy. <laughs> it's really fun to see them. You can have some. I can have some. Oh Thank yeah, you. totally. Okay. We got loads in all the oh, dough. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, we don't Buckins. we don't turn down good fresh food. Yeah. So I I'm so thrilled, and it sounds like you're also helping to guide some of the other gardeners on the team as to how to best take care of the soil and the plants, mm -hmm. and uh, that you're also available to speak with folks who actually have domes of their own, right, uh, to help often. them have success. And, and what does that look like? Like, what are, what are some of the situations that you hear about most often that you're, you're helping with? Mostly problems that people are having that they don't know what to plant where or um, they are having a pest problem of some kind that they don't know how to fix mm -hmm. or um, something that they're not familiar with, like pond plant issues. Or mm -hmm. I was literally 15 minutes ago on the phone with a lady who needs fish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be any range of things. That's so wonderful to have that real support from the company. Mm -hmm. I think it uh, really speaks to the, the goal and the objective of folks having success growing in their domes, which is wonderful to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I so appreciate having this time with you, Heather. And I'm wondering, uh, before we sign off for the moment, is there, is there anything else you'd like to mention or share with our audience? If the audience includes people who grow and 
domes or um, greenhouses or structures. Uh, when you go away for the winter, find a way to keep your soil watered. <laughs> Uh -huh. That is the biggest thing. Like, soil is alive, just like plants. It cannot be forgotten. And um, you won't be ultimately successful unless you focus on the health of your soil more than the health of what's up top, because the root structure of the plant is where all the health of the plant starts. So, you heard it here from Heather. Don't forget the soil. Don't forget the water. In Especially in the winter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Heather. My pleasure. Nice to meet you. Likewise. I'll go get you some kale. Oh, thanks. That sounds great. <laughs> so, Lem, here we are. We, we just visited with Heather. That was just wonderful. And it's amazing to see the, the incredible expertise she's bringing to the care for the soil and the plants here with the domes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's been gardening for over 25 years. Uh, she was with Growing Spaces for a long time, went off to pursue other ventures. So we were very thankful to have her back here at Growing Spaces with us. Uh, we've hired a couple other uh, younger gardeners to kind of train underneath her so we can learn her techniques. Um, so she's been really a great mentor to them as well, as well as the whole team here at Growing Spaces. Uh, so she's been, she's been great. So I thank her very much for, for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was wonderful. Well, uh, you know, listen, I, I, I'd love to circle back a little more on this work that you're doing around the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, obviously such a big issue in our culture right now. And, and there's so much healing that's, that's needed in communities all over. And it's something you guys are engaged in as well with growing spaces, huh? Yeah, I talked about the two projects at Navajo Nation and for, for Mattersville Vets. Uh, we started those. Uh, before COVID or right about the time COVID started, so kind of before uh, the latest phase of the Black Lives Movement. Um, we do work with an organization called Urban Growers Collective out of Chicago. They actually purchased a dome right about the time we bought the business, um, and we've been doing some in-kind uh, work for them. Uh, but I think they're just a great example of how growing food locally can really improve a community, especially yeah. an urban community, because you know a lot of people don't really know, but urban communities can be food deserts as well. Absolutely. Uh, you, you don't have access to whole foods a lot of times. Even then, organic food is so expensive that those communities can't afford good, fresh, organic food, and they find themselves eating at McDonald's and maybe not the healthiest food. Uh, but what we've seen at Urban Growers Collective in South Chicago is it's really bringing the community together in multiple aspects. Not only providing food to the community, but providing work, you know, paid work as well as volunteer work to the community. Um, you know, African Americans and whites both are, are working in the garden. Uh, so what we want to do is we want to do more projects like that, basically, it was it comes down to. So we've offered a grant program for 2021 uh, for urban communities specifically. We'll, we'll be donating growing domes next year uh, for urban communities. So if you go to our website, you'll get links to our, our gardening grants page, uh, which has our grant listed as well as many other uh, gardening and community and school garden grants uh, listed for these types of communities to apply for that. And then we'll be uh, working with those programs in 2021 uh, to help build those domes because um, our season is gonna be coming to an end here soon. Uh, and a lot of these communities are in colder climates. We prefer it to be in a colder climate just because it's harder to grow food year round and the dome will work better in places like South Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be looking for communities in, in more northern climates to, to work with to build growing domes yeah. so they can grow food year-round and really bring the community together. That's fabulous. I, as, you're, as you're describing this, I've got a few folks coming to mind that I'll be sure to uh, 
get this information to mm -hmm. um, because uh, this is really going to help, I think, a lot of different communities out there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. We're, we're really going to try to promote it uh, from here on out. Um, we're also, yeah, like I said, looking for donations for the other projects to help with site prep uh, and things of that nature because the dome is just a piece of that. And then obviously the ongoing uh, gardening aspect of it and keeping the dome well maintained uh, is important as well. So I encourage you to look up Urban Growers Collective as well because uh, they're a great organization. Great, yeah, thanks for that, Lem. Well, listen, I know, I know we're gonna head over here in a few minutes to visit the high school. Oh, right. Where right. they're building the dome and we'll get to see some of the construction in action and then uh, after that, we'll visit with the founders, uh, Udgar and Pooja, downtown at the community space there. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, before we take off to go do that, Lem, um, is there anything else you'd like to, to say or share with our audience? Yeah, on that regard, I'm just so thankful that you guys took the time to come down here to Pagosa. I know it was a long drive. Uh, to come down here, but this is where the company was built. Um, we want to remain active in this community. Like I said, we're donating food to the food hubs. We actively support the geothermal park project uh, through in-kind donations and helping to maintain those three domes. And Udgar and Pooja really built a strong foundation right here in Pagosa Springs. And to have the manufacturing of the domes local here to be able to hire local resources, we, we buy mostly U.S. Uh, components. Um, and to have a U.S.-based, Colorado-based manufacturing facility is just incredible, especially here in Pagosa Springs. And what they've done in this small community is really built a national brand, an international brand, right here in small town Pagosa. So as we grow the business internationally, uh, we're also trying to keep a very strong footprint right here in Pagosa. And that's what I wanted to show you today as well, both at the high school and the geothermal project. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks so much, Lem. It's wonderful visiting with you and sharing all of this with our audience. Great, yeah, no, thank you again for coming down. All right, so we'll go visit a couple sites. Oh, Come camera. on, everybody. So here we are at Pagosa High School with Principal Sean O'Donnell. Hello. Hey, hey Sean, how you doing? Doing great, thank you. Great, thanks for visiting with, with Lem and me and telling us a bit about the, uh, the project you got going on here. You're welcome, glad to. And uh, Lem, I know you, you probably can kind of guide us through the discussion here a little bit with what's going on. Yeah, no, we've been working on this project with Pagosa High for a couple of years now. It's right in our hometown, so we were always really excited about it. But what we're more excited about is when it's completed and what it's actually going to be used for. So, Sean, tell us a little bit of how you're going to use this dome for your, your vocational programs. You bet. So we, um, we're fortunate to have a kind of a, a small six-foot dome that we have here on the property, and, and we've been using it with our ag programs they've been you know growing 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 a few things in there um, they do have some hydroponics going so they've been fiddling with that a little bit and growing some tilapia and at the end of the season trying to find people to buy the tilapia or whatever but um, but the time came that we're just kind of outgrowing that you know we've um, got more demand from kids wanting to take more agriculture classes and then we're actually this year adding a horticulture class um, but hard to do horticulture in, in our climate, you know, if you really want to grow anything year round. So um, this obviously presented itself as a, the right facility to do that. So um, we're excited about opportunities that it's going to provide our kids. Yeah, what's great about school domes is the fact that the growing season here in Colorado is in the summer when kids are out of school. Yeah. Uh, so it's so nice to have a year-round environment where you can teach kids horticulture in the middle yeah. of, in the middle of winter. Absolutely. Yeah, and then we've also got um, our science teachers are a little bit uh, anxious to get in there also. Provide some opportunities, especially in your biology classes and things like that, to uh, do some experimentation 
that you, you really can't do in a regular classroom. So um, don't know what those are going to be yet, but I really feel like sky's the limit on, on the opportunities to, to use this facility to, to expand um, just opportunities for the kids. Yeah, it's so, it's so great to give them the, uh, the hands-on experience mm -hmm. to accompany the, a lot of the theoretical science that they're learning out yep. of the books and so on. Absolutely. It's one thing to see it on a video. It's a whole other thing to actually pull it off live and, and uh, mean so much more. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, it's, it's, it's a good deal for us. You have some local chefs working on the project as well, right? Both we in, do. in teaching culinary arts as well as using it for the local restaurants. We right? do. Yeah, for sure. Our, we, we're very fortunate with Todd Stevens being our uh, um, director of our food service program. He's got some plans. Um, you know, he, he helps us with our culinary arts program. Um, we've got some plans in there also to do some farm to table type things. So as that culinary arts program expands, We'll have the kids kind of grow, grow their food, and that could be a, um, a collaboration between classes even. You know, the horticulture class, maybe growing some things, culinary class in there, and then actually harvest, take that into the kitchen and, and, and make food out of it. Um, and then, you know, I, I know Todd has some ideas to do some farm-to-table stuff, even for the just the general food service program. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I said, it's all in the infant stages, but I feel like the sky's the limit. It's, it's so cool from my perspective to see that you guys have developed such a strong vocational training program here. And I, I know talking with some other educators in other parts of the state or even around the country that uh, in many places, students don't have those same kinds of opportunities. And yeah. uh, it's, it's great you're giving them, uh, again, that hands-on uh, training opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I'm a big believer in it, in the vocational trades and all those all those different fields and, and giving kids those opportunities um you know I'd, personally I, i'd like to um you know we try to be mindful of our own local community and for those kids that maybe don't want to go to college um if we can give them some skills and some hands-on stuff while they're in high school that maybe they can get into those entry-level things in our community and, and establish themselves um, but that comes from having programs, you know, like our ag programs, our building trades, all the different kind of programs that we've been adding here lately. Um, it's, it's, it's crucial to have those programs for those kids. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're excited about it because, yeah, here at Growing Spaces, like I said, you're in our backyard, so we're excited to be able to hire some kids out of that yeah, program when sure. they're done with it, both from the construction of the domes, as you can see, mm -hmm. as well as the, the gardening and the culinary aspects of it yeah. for our own for our own purposes. Yeah. Well, it's great. We're, we're standing here, and behind us is a live uh, build going on of the <laughs> dome itself, and we can see uh, the fellows are, are putting up some of the timbers there. And uh, Lem, I was wondering if maybe you'd just explain real quick what we're seeing here in the process. Yeah, absolutely. We're actually on the first day of the build, so you can see it's going up relatively quickly. One unique thing about this dome is the stem wall is made out of concrete. So Pagosa, Pagosa High wanted the concrete stem wall, so that was here when we got here, and then we anchor bolt into that and then start on the dome build. And we're just going to go up with the struts in a spiral until we get to the top, and then after that we'll put it on the polycarbonate glazing. Uh, this whole build will probably take us about five days with uh, three crew members. Uh, so it really goes up real quick and then Pagosa can start working on the beds inside and, and the build out of the dome itself. Yeah, that's great. That really is a quick build. Yeah. That's impressive. Well, great. Well, uh, just want to, again, thank you, uh, Principal Sean. How do they yeah. call you? Principal O'Donnell, I suppose the kids um, would probably call you. 
it's mr it's mr. mostly mr o mr o all right mr o that's that's the typical so, yeah. well th- some of them can get colorful in their language they don't always spell my name right or say my name right but mr o typically uh-huh yeah well appreciate you taking <laughs> yeah, the time thank you to guys. visit I with appreciate us it. thank you yeah, so much thank you so much yeah thank you appreciate it okay so we are now in the educational dome in downtown pagosa with udgar and puja parsons Hey guys, how are you doing? Good. Glad so, to be with you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you both. And you are the founders of Growing Spaces. So in many respects, what uh, we're experiencing right now is uh, uh, the result of your work uh, over, I understand, a number of years. And, almost um, 30 years. Almost 30 years. Wonderful. And uh, I know we have a common connection back to the Roaring Fork Valley. Where our friends at Sustainable Settings and other amazing projects are doing wonderful work uh, as well. And uh, here we are a few hours away by car. And uh, it's just lovely to be in this space with uh, this trellis with all of these grapes growing and figs behind us and all kinds of beautiful foliage. So I want to ask you, um, upon your recent uh, retirement, uh, what what is the feeling you have with the legacy that you've been able to help uh, create for Pagosa and for folks using the domes in places all around the continent? Pujo, maybe you could answer that. Well, the fact that Growing Spaces is so busy right now is just incredible to us because, you know, it was a slow start. It took many years, but just our whole idea of living a healthy lifestyle and teaching people about natural systems is happening it's like we were before our time just like john denver and buckminster fuller who helped to begin it and now is our time this is the time when all of us need to take a break take a pause and learn about all the kinds of things that you're interviewing people about yeah absolutely it gives me i know a lot of hope and it seems that people really are mobilizing in a lot of different ways yeah yeah I think for me the exciting part was when I first went into the big dome at Windsor, a 50-foot dome in the middle of November and there was plants just growing like crazy and it was like going from Alaska to Florida in one step. And I was so inspired back then that I thought I've got to make these available to people because you can grow year-round in the Rocky Mountains with no heater. And that's unheard of. Everybody shuts down the garden after the first frost in September, and that's it till May, where you may or may not get a frost again. But with the growing dome, you know, you can grow all year round without a beat. So that's what excited me. And using no fossil fuel energy, these are net zero greenhouses. And in this day and age, when we're all aware of climate change and the effects of burning fossil fuels on our climate, It's really, really important that we do whatever we can do in whatever way we can do it to cut down our use of uh, fossil fuel energy. Yeah, Ugar, absolutely. And I know you were telling me uh, just before we started filming about your own uh, grow dome at home that you've had a number of years and you've only had to heat it a few days out of all that time? One week in 22 years. Amazing. When it was cloudy for a whole week, there was no sun whatsoever, and then it went down to 25 below. And I was starting to get a little bit of ice on the pond, so I thought, okay, I'll heat it. But the rest of the time, it's grown all winter long with no heater whatsoever, just the natural systems 
of the Dome that work together to create the year-round growing situation. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. And I know, uh, Pooja, here we are, again, downtown Pagosa, and there are three domes clustered together. Can you tell us a bit about what's going on right here with this project? Well, the excitement here is the use of the geothermal uh, heat, and that's in addition to the normal growing domes, but we have three different kinds of growing domes. This is the education dome started about three years ago, which is why it's really coming into fruition. About two years or a year and a half ago, we started the community dome over there. And some of the people that were outside in the community garden by the river have moved inside. And we're all contributing now to the food banks. And then the, new, the newest will be the innovation dome, and that's not quite ready yet. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to save that as a surprise. But you can go to the Geothermal Greenhouse Partnership or pagosagreen.org. For more not, information for on more that. Information, oh, yeah. beautiful. And, and we'll be sure to have those links in the show notes just okay. for some additional information Great. for folks. It's pretty exciting to have three big growing domes right downtown. Absolutely. You know, right by yeah. the river. It's just amazing. It's beautiful. And as, as we walked up, there were all kinds of folks milling about and yeah. checking things out. It's such They're a great attraction. Yeah. Well, and the it, beautiful thing is you don't really need the geothermal energy to have a growing dome that will get, grow year-round. Any community could do this. And there are different communities and a lot of schools throughout the country that have chosen a growing dome to demonstrate year-round growing and children growing their own food and seeing from a seed to a plant to harvest to see the natural cycles of nature. I think it's wonderful for kids to be able to do that. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, it's such an important part of the, the education for our youngsters. And it's, it's to me, uh, incredibly encouraging to see school programs all around the country uh, incorporating this kind of experience and hands-on um, opportunity for, for students all over the place. And, you know, speaking of all over the place, I know you guys have helped get domes in all kinds of different communities. And uh, I don't know, how many, how many domes has Growing Spaces provided the world up to this point? Well, we have domes in 14 countries as far afield as New Zealand and South Africa. Got quite a few in Europe, uh, Canada, and so on. So I, I never, I've actually lost count, so I couldn't really answer that question. And, yeah. But quite a lot. Yeah, and the fun thing was we started in the Roaring Fork Valley, and it didn't really take off there. But when we came here, within the first five years, we had 100 growing domes in Pagosa Springs, uh -huh. which was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Started to uh, take off like hotcakes or yeah. something, huh? As yeah. they say. Well, I'm just wondering, you know, you both have been pioneers in this stewardship and sustainability movement, and we've been talking about climate action, we've been talking about soil regeneration, and, uh, you know, we've got a very diverse audience through the Why on Earth Community Network, and I'm wondering if you might share a few words of, of wisdom or encouragement uh, or inspiration with folks coming from all kinds of backgrounds and ages and geographic locations uh, about living in these times that we're living in. Pooja, may, may I ask you that okay. first? <clears throat> yeah, for me, um, I was telling you that I felt like the people you're interviewing are were many of them before their time. And I definitely know that John Denver and Buckminster Fuller were before their time and all the people that we knew in those days in the 80s. But 
as I as I watch the interviews and as I ex listen with excitement about you talking about dirt and how important it is and where and where that all start starts and that you're connecting the dots all the way up to good health for both the body and for the body of the planet. Mm -hmm. There's a sense that this is our time, you know, that COVID sort of gave us a pause so we could sort of reset maybe. And because of the looming uh, mortality involved, you know, we're really having to be serious about looking at what we've done mm -hmm. to the health of the planet or to even our interconnectedness, you know, it's a, it's a unifying moment, really. And so, I don't know, it feels like the work we did uh, is carrying, carrying on that vision that's been living in a lot of different people, a community of people across the world, like you, you know. And now you're educating and people are living it and there's more a sense of talking the walk rather than walking the talk. Mm -hmm. And that, that really is what we wanted to do with our business because we wanted to prove with the business that if it's a conscious business and you're, you're living in harmony with nature and you're pointing to the interconnectedness of things and educating people and helping each other, there's a natural way that it all works. And it doesn't have to be in compartments that are separated out. <clears throat> it can also um, show how the planet works, right. you know, how nature works. Nature is interconnected and it's, it flows, you know. So we always just wanted to get people into their gardens yeah. and help them become healthy again. And in a microscopic way, they would have that macroscopic view by just experiencing that and caring about what they eat and loving the taste of it yeah yeah you know it um you're speaking to one of my favorite topics which is the transition to regenerative economics from extractive economics yeah. and that we can uh not only build businesses that uh are good for other people but we can thrive with businesses that are helping others to thrive. Absolutely. And uh, that is the way nature works. It's regenerative. We, we have a super abundant planet that we share and uh, it's time to get our economics in line with that reality. Yep. We wanted to be a part of that. You know, we didn't know how to be business people because he was a dentist and I was a therapist, okay. but we knew about nutrition because we'd helped our own bodies and we'd healed ourselves and we'd helped our clients. And so, learning to be um, business people was so that we could prove that this is a money-making thing. This mm -hmm. is something that the economy could be based on. These kinds of values, we had to lead with our values, Yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely, I love it. And maybe you're hearing in the background some of the sprinklers are coming on. I, I think Lem, who's off camera, might be getting wet, but <laughs> we're not sure, can't tell exactly. Uh, a little chuckle anyway. So, uh, so Udgar, Udgar, I wanna just, pose the same question to you if mm -hmm. if if you have any words of inspiration or wisdom to share with our audience in these times it would be wonderful to hear that yeah i think for me knowledge is power and there's so much knowledge available on the internet people celebrating what they've done whatever you want to learn about it's there it's available it's an incredible time that these are not closely held secrets anymore and so I just encourage people, whatever excites you, whatever you feel attracted to, go for it because there's a huge amount of support 
you know, not only on the internet, but with friends and community. I think community is also very important. The days of living in isolation in a cave in the Himalayas, that's not where it is anymore. It's like we need to connect and we need to be in community and share with each other our excitement and our wisdom. So those, that's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Thank you very much. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful we had the opportunity to visit with you all and to share a bit of this time uh, out with our audience. And uh, before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to say? I'm grateful for your work and I'm grateful for Lem's work that your generation and your children are just doing it. We're so grateful to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I would just say, ever onward. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Bye, everybody. The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org backslash support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code WHYONEARTH, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.